Hi, I'm Kayla Barnes. I'm from Boston College Women's Hockey Team, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I am your host, Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode and podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by a very, very special guest. I'm obviously joined by Kayla Barnes. Kayla Barnes is a member of the Boston College women's hockey team, and she is also an Olympic gold medalist for Team USA and is set to compete with Team USA in the Olympics in Beijing this year. What an honor it was to interview Kayla. We talked about many things throughout this podcast, including her preparation uh, with Team USA for this year's Olympics. Obviously, we talked about winning a gold medal with Team USA, and we obviously talk about her college hockey experience so far with Boston College. It was an absolute honor interviewing Kayla, and I want to thank Michaela Boyle, who is a former podcast guest, uh, for setting this up for me. I really appreciate it, and yeah, this was super fun to do. However, before we get to today's podcast, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter at College Hockey Talk. You can watch this entire interview on our YouTube channel as well. And make sure to follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our Apple podcast page and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps the podcast grow and helps new people find us. And I would truly appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot. Now, without further ado, here's today's episode with Kayla. I hope you guys enjoy this interview just as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest. She is a member of the USA Olympic team and is also a member of the Boston College women's hockey team as well. But most importantly, she won a gold medal back in 2018 uh, for Team USA. So it's with great pleasure to announce and welcome Kayla Barnes on the podcast. Kayla, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. And how's everything going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Everything's been going good. Just training, playing hockey. Um, Been pretty busy, but... Um, it's been quite a wild ride this year uh, leading up to the 2022 games. So, but it's been good. Um, yeah, not, not bad. Yeah. I kind of want to start off talking about that, just the whole centralization process. So how's it going this year? And is this, how is the centralization process this year compared to the one you did in 2017, 2018? Yeah, this centralization um, has been really a lot of fun. Um, we're in, we train in Minnesota and Blaine, Minnesota, and um, we're all there all the time together, which has been really good because we don't usually get that opportunity to be together as a team um, for an expended, extended period of time. So I think it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot different than last residency, you know, just a different team, different staff, um, just an entirely different experience. We're kind of treating it that way, but I think it's been great. Um, our team is growing and becoming better every day. So um, I'm really enjoying my time. Now, one question that I want to ask you about the whole centralization process, because it feels like it's a little bit different in women's hockey versus men's hockey, is why do you why can't you play college hockey when you're going through the Olympics process? Because I know in men's you can, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think um, with us, it's just it's too hard. We have games in practice every day, and I think they just want us to be 
a real team um, just because we're not together a lot. So having this year to make it feel like we're a real team where we're practicing every day together, we play games together, kind of get that feel of each other. I think it's really important to build, you know, team chemistry and to get to know each other leading up to the game. So um, I think that's why if you're in college, you kind of just pull out because it's, it would be way too hard to be on two teams at once. So, um, and I, I think it's, it's for the best just to put all your focus in one place. Now, have you been watching any college hockey this year and what's your thoughts on this year's Eagles team? Yeah, I, um, I try to watch BC whenever I can. Um, um, they're my favorite team to watch. Obviously I love them to death, miss them so much. Um, uh, this year, I think, you know, they have a strong roster. I just think, you know, sometimes they haven't been able to find their footing. So I think, you know, hopefully the second half brings some, some clarity going home, just get a little rest, reboot, and I think they'll be good going into the second half. Yeah, and obviously your best friend, Michaela Boyle, will be joining the team in the second half of the season. How excited are you to see her play college hockey again after the whole Robert Morris situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's been through so much, and she's so resilient. So I just am excited that she kind of found a home, and that home happens to be uh, one of my favorite places in the world and where I'm going to be um, soon. So I think she'll be awesome for the team. She'll have a great impact, and she's going to have a lot of fun. So I'm just really excited for her to get going. Yeah, and talking to her, she said you played a huge part of kind of her transfer process to Boston College. Uh, just talk about your role in that, and how excited are you to play with her um, in college in such a high level? And have you guys ever played together on the same team? And if so, when was the last time that happened? Yeah, I think um, her process with BC, obviously she has a big connection through me, and our coaches kind of started talking to me about her and if she would be interested in, in – um, coming to BC and I obviously was like I think absolutely she's a Boston kid um born and raised she would love to come back home and play like her final years and obviously she's my best friend and um like family to me so being able to play together has always been kind of a dream of ours um we've never seriously like played on a team together maybe for like a tournament or two um in the summer but it would be nice to like be on a real team with her for a full season and kind of see how that goes now, how have you tried to get to know, I guess, some of the new teammates at BC since you haven't really been there that much since you're busy with the Olympic process, but have you tried to get to know some of the freshmen, I guess, since you will be playing with them again shortly? Yeah, um, early on, we had a couple breaks in our residency, so I popped back to BC just to say hey and hang out with the girls and, um, you know, I would supposed to be a senior this year, so hang out with the the seniors and see them and in the process I got to meet some of the freshmen and kind of get to know them a little bit which has been nice so that next year when I come back they're not all complete strangers to me so um, you know I don't know them as much as I'd probably like to but I know them enough uh, to when I go back I think it'll be fine and you know after the Olympics I'll pop back in the spring and hopefully get to know them a little bit more so. Yeah, no, I think BC has a lot of underrated players, and I think one of those players is Abby Newhook. Uh, she's been super fun to watch this year, but I think it's also good to see players like Olivia Finacaro and Will Corson kind of step up and be huge impact players for that BC lineup. I don't know if that's something you've noticed as well watching the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, Olivia and Willow, uh, they're captains on the team, they're great leaders. Um, I think you know, with them being their senior year, it's, you know, important for them to be stepping up and stepping into those roles. And um, I think they're doing an incredible job. And as for freshmen like Abby Newhook, you know, who's just kind of finding her way in college hockey, um, we've all been a freshman and she's kind of, you know, 
kicking freshman year's butt, which is awesome. So I hope she just keeps rolling and keeps kind of finding her strengths and um, finding her way because I think she's only going to get better from here. Do you think she's going to have more goals in her BC career than her brother Alex? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I would have to see how many goals Alex had, but um, – <laughs> I mean, I think it's a possibility. She's on her way um, to having a very successful career. So um, great person, uh, great family. Alex is awesome. Um, so I think that um, she's really awesome for the BC community and our team specifically. Now kind of transitioning back to the centralization process that you're going through now, you played Canada and a few exhibition games kind of getting ready for the Olympics. So what have you taken away from those games or what are some things you think you need to work on and your team needs to work on as the Olympics start uh, approaching? Yeah, I think those games are great for us. Um, you know, those are the best games we're going to play um, leading up to the Olympics. So it's really important to get that preparation in um, while we can, you know. So I think it's really fun to play against Canada and kind of feel out where we need to work on things, what are our strengths. Um, as a team, I think, like, we need to start on time. We need to start faster. And it's been a couple instances where Canada scored quickly and, you know, they have a good offense. They're, they're fast and they can put the puck in the net. So I think if we can capitalize on our chances and just, you know, play with pace, we'll um, be fine. And I think we've been getting better at that throughout the, uh, throughout the exhibition games. Now, obviously this Olympic team is a little bit different than the previous one. It seems like there's a lot of younger players on this Olympic team compared to the 2018 one. So what have you noticed, I guess, from this year's Olympic team and how do you think the young players have been doing um, in this centralization process, kind of stepping up and being a huge part of the team? I think players like Grace Umwinkle has really stood out to me just because in the world championships last year, I think she was arguably one of the best offensive players that Team USA had. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think youth is great. I was, you know, I was one of those youth players, you know, when I first started. So, I mean, I think, um, there's something awesome about not having the experience and, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. So I think that all these young players are just enjoying the moment and, and, and you know, enjoying where they're at and what they're doing. And um, they're playing great. I think they're all stepping up and bringing, uh, you know, their best foot forward. And it's really helping our team. They're so talented. So um, happy to have them on our roster. Now, what's been the biggest improvement you've made to, to your game uh, during throughout this uh, centralization process that you've noticed? Um, I think for me, just, you know, playing with pace, um, kind of working on my speed, getting up the ice, being a more offensive threat. Um, I like to be in the offensive zone, so getting pucks through in the blue line has been something that's been huge for me. Um, I think the more that I can get pucks through, the more I can jump quickly up into the zone. Um, you know, four-man four man rush kind of thing, the more success we'll have on offense. So that's something I've been really focusing on throughout my time in uh, residency and centralization. Now, one thing I kind of want to ask you, because I haven't heard the women's hockey players talk about this, is obviously, you know, COVID is starting to bring a, become a big factor in our world once again. So my question to you is, what's your mindset, I guess, throughout the whole COVID thing, especially uh, for the Olympics, since it, the quarantine process is a little bit longer than it is here in the U.S. Have you kind of thought about that and what's kind of your mindset throughout the whole thing? Um, yeah, absolutely. We have meetings about it all the time. Um, it's just one of those things where we have to be extremely careful, extremely cautious, um, and just do all the little things right that, you know, are kind of away from the rink just to ensure that we'll be safe. Um, we're all just trying to kind of make it through to get to Beijing, to get 
you know, to test negative and, and whatnot. So we'll be able to compete because um, that's the, ultimately the goal. So um, I think that just being careful and we're just, you know, doing everything that we can to, to you know, test negative and be able to get over to Beijing. Now I kind of want to touch on last year's world championships. Cause I feel like that's a, that was a great tournament to kind of prepare for the Olympics for uh, this year. So uh, you lost to team Canada. So I'll just talk about that game from your perspective and how have you used that game, I guess, uh, throughout the centralization process as kind of motivation to kind of get revenge against Canada and be prepared uh, for the Olympics uh, coming up? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a great game. Um, very back and forth over time, classic USA versus Canada rivalry game. Um, you know, obviously we fell short in that game and that was tough. Um, for me personally, that's the first time I haven't won a gold medal at a um, international event. So for me, it really hit home kind of that feeling because I had never experienced it before. Plenty of people on our team have, um, you know, at the Olympics, at world championships. And I think it's important that everyone goes through that feeling kind of once or twice or whatever, um, just to kind of keep you grounded and humbled. And I think that we kind of took that tournament and knew it wasn't our best and um, reset and moved forward. And obviously we use it as fuel. We don't want to feel the way we do. Uh, we did in August in February, we want to be on the other side of things. So um, definitely that is a feeling that we kind of revisit often and use as fuel while we're training. Yeah, because I feel like you had the opposite feeling in the 2018 gold medal game when Lamarou scored that uh, shootout winner. Is it kind of weird? Is it kind of interesting for yourself to kind of see the other side of that? Absolutely. I think that um, I've had a lot of highs with USA Hockey, um, you know, a lot of success, gold medals. So I think that obviously I'd never want to, you know, lose in a world championship, but it is something that I think will help in the long run for me. It definitely is a different different type of feeling you know you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows um kind of thing but it's important as an athlete you know to experience that kind of growth so yeah and I, from your perspective I feel like that overtime winner by Poulin I didn't even see it coming it seemed like kind of it happened in like two seconds what, what was your reaction to it on the bench because it kind of I kind of had to see the replay to make sure it went in because I, at first I didn't think it went in yeah I mean on the bench we were all like no way like no way that went in yeah. um kind of kept playing and then you know the buzzer went off after they did the replay and all that stuff and you know your heart kind of just sinks mm-hmm. um you know overtime is a game of inches quite literally um it's very back and forth a lot of chances a lot of opportunities and you got to make the most of them and you know she did an incredible shot she's an incredible player so but you know on the other end it, you know your heart sinks um you train your whole life for things like this and we work really hard and you know, it's taken from you in, you know, a second. So I think that um, it definitely on the bench was a really tough feeling when, you know, that buzzer went off, you know, their gloves are flying everywhere and whatever, like you want to be in that position. So just experiencing that is just, it was hard, but definitely a good learning, learning uh, experience for our team. Especially since that tournament, it feel like you guys had to kind of fight to get that tournament to be played just because it got canceled so many times and then they finally made it work um, in Alberta, I believe. So um, what was it, I guess, how weird was it to play a tournament in August just because normally the schedule, you're usually off around that time. So was it kind of a weird prep preparing for a tournament in that time period? Yeah, it was um, extremely bizarre because um, we don't usually play hockey in August. And if we do, it's a, it's a training camp. 
um, just to kind of kick the season off. So I think competing for a world championship in August was really like out of our comfort zone and, and kind of hard to deal with, especially if the worlds had been canceled once or twice at this point, we just wanted to play. But I think also too, like preparation wise, it was extremely hard because we were on and then we were off and then we were on and then we were off. And Mm -hmm. so um, it definitely was a weird timing of things to play in August. I kind of loved it though, just because there was no hockey going on at that time. So it was like the only thing to watch. And I think that was good for the women's game just because you were the only things that were, you were the only like players that were on TV. So it must've been nice to kind of get that attention and be the only ones playing. Yeah, of course. I mean, any exposure that we can get um, is the good kind because um, that's, you know, what we need for our sport is just people to see us and people to watch and kind of learn about our game um, for it to grow. Now, watching your team play just the past couple of years, I've noticed how the physicality is kind of a key factor of your team. And for you specifically, I saw that you had a pretty awesome kind of check against Spooner at the XL Center in Hartford. I kind of want to ask you about that play and just about the physicality that you and your teammates bring each and every single night, just because you make it hard and annoying for the opponents to go against you. Yeah. I mean, our team likes to play fast and physical. Um, We won't really back down from anything. Um, Me being a smaller player, gonna kind of hold my own, can't be thrown around. Um, I'm quite literally probably the smallest person on the ice. So um, I think for me being physical, using my low center of gravity and, you know, playing the body is just kind of how, I get through um, players that try to go through me. Um, so I just kind of hold my own. I like to play physical. Um, also helps, you know, just a lot of people don't expect it from someone like me. So I think it's um, it's good. I, and I think the game is getting more physical. And, you know, there's quite literally a fight almost every game between us and Canada. It gets, it gets pretty intense. So um, I think it's good for, for the game. Was that the biggest check you've, I guess, you've had in your career, that one where you just kind of like, you would not let her go by? Was that the biggest check in your career or was it, did it happen like with BC or even before that? Um, I mean, probably that was one of the biggest ones and, you know, it was on national TV. So (laughs) the biggest scene one, but um, I've had a couple pretty good ones too um, in college, but a lot more gets, um, gets uh, let go in you know, in our games against Canada, it's a lot more physical in college. It's a bit more uh, restricted. So kind of got to adjust our game depending on where you're at. I got to talk about those scrums. Have you been involved with one? I don't think I've seen you in one, but it seems like Abby Murphy is in one every game and she lost her helmet in one of those. But what's it like being in one of those scrums if you've been a part of it? Yeah, I've been in a couple. Um, Not recently, really. Um, But in being in those, you kind of just want to protect your teammates. Um, We obviously clearly don't get along with uh, Canada and, you know, we'll go out each other hard, but um, just kind of protecting yourself, protecting your teammates in there, it gets pretty intense. Um, So that's kind of what it's like being in one of those um, because they're going after you. So you got to go after them and kind of thing. Um, But it's fun. I think it brings some entertainment to the game and, we enjoy it, you know. I don't. I don't think it's something that we don't enjoy. So it's it's fun. Now, do you think hitting should be allowed in the women's game? I know technically it isn't, but you see it sometimes. But also, I feel like it would make refereeing the game easier. I've made this point before, uh, just because I feel like there's some refs, at least in college, in my opinion, that are super strict against body checking, and then there's some refs that are not that strict against it. 
So I feel like when you are going into a hockey game, you should have the refereeing kind of be similar across the board, across different conferences. And I feel like you don't get that in college hockey just because of that body checking rule and just how different officials see it. I just want to get your opinion if you think it should be allowed, just because um, I think if you do it the right way, it should be allowed. But then there's examples in women's hockey. I think there was a hit on Decker in the gold medal game where it could have been a legal check in both the men's and women's game. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would be great for the women's game to evolve and become more physical and, um, you know, if you allow checking or, or not. I mean, I think the women's game in general is a very high-skilled, fast-paced game. I, I think that being physical is a part of our game, but it wouldn't ever become the main focus. So I think allowing checking wouldn't even be a big deal. Just let us play more freely. Um, like you said, um, the refing across the board would need to be more consistent. Um, in college, I think there's a huge discrepancy among refs in different leagues um, with what is let go and what is not. Um, so I think like just being able to define it as being more physical with checking, I don't think it would change the game a whole ton. I just think the physicality would be more um, apparent because it would be, just be let go and it would become part of the game. But I don't think it would necessarily alter the game because of the the skill that the women's game possesses yeah I just think there would be a little more open ice checks I feel like most of the checks that happen are like in the boards and for battles for the puck not really like open ice yeah yeah I mean I think there definitely would be some open ice checks um for sure but again if the refing is across the board and just keeping people safe I think I think it would be totally fine just like it is in the men's game mm-hmm now, I guess my last question before we talk about BC is just um, wh- how, what have you learned the most during the centralization process that has been beneficial for yourself heading into the Olympics? Yeah, I think for me, just kind of stepping into like this new role, um, you know, I'm still young, but I'm kind of not. Um, and so I'm kind of in the middle on this team and kind of just like figuring myself out, figuring out where I land in the lineup and and whatnot has just been huge for me as a player um and kind of just enjoying enjoying every second of it we don't it's not every day that you get to play every day with the best players in the world so just enjoying it um learning from each other making each other better i think that's what taken away most from this experience now i kind of want to transition and talk about the past year with boston college because your team made the national tournament so Obviously, last year was a lot different compared to other college hockey seasons in the past. How did you personally deal with all the challenges that the pandemic brought? And what was your mindset kind of playing through it and just dealing with it? Because obviously there weren't fans at the games, but I feel like the biggest thing for hockey's perspective was you didn't know who you're going to play until that Monday or Tuesday of that week. So I guess what was your mindset as a leader on the team and just uh, as a veteran on the team as well? Yeah, I think it was extremely challenging. Um you know, as an upperclassman and a leader um, to kind of walk through that situation and kind of keep the younger people on our team calm and focused and whatnot. But we really just focused on, you know, being there for each other, um, supporting each other and kind of just working hard, being prepared for anything that's going to be thrown at us. We had a lot of challenges and um, kind of walking through those challenges together was really important for us. Um, You know, we just wanted to play. And so we did everything that we could to just be able to play. And no matter who we played, um, we knew that the next game wasn't guaranteed. So we just kind of enjoyed the moment, um, enjoyed playing and being together. And that's kind of how we got through what was a really difficult year to be a college athlete. 
Yeah, and how did you adjust to not playing in front of any fans? Um, was that a bit weird for yourself, or did you kind of do you really not notice fans? Because I know it's talking to some players that wasn't really an adjustment for them since they're not really focused on that part of the game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not really focused on the fans aspect of the game. Um, I, it's kind of just I block out the noise kind of thing, so it wasn't entirely that different. But I mean, it was hard to not have your family there and have some of your friends there. Um, you know, my parents missed out on a whole year of not being able to see me play. So that was really hard for them and hard for me. You know, you love to have your family there. But I think just being able to play when other a lot of other colleges weren't, um, we were just extremely grateful for that. Yeah, and also like another aspect of it that I don't think a lot of people talk about is seeing your family after the game as well. It must have been tough to play every game, but then just kind of like go back to your dorm and not have anyone to talk to about it, at least in person. Yeah, it was um, definitely tough. I missed, we all missed having our family there, but that's, um, you know, kind of how we leaned on each other. And we became really close last year because, um, you know, we had quite literally only hang out with each other. So um, it was definitely a year of a lot of challenges, but it was also a really fun year and we made the most of it. Now, Conti Forum last year had probably the best, I think, cardboard cutout system, I guess, if that's the word to call it. It was really cool. It felt like a full stadium when you, like, watched those games last year. So I got asked, what was your favorite um, cardboard cutout? Because in my opinion, it was you. Like, I thought it was kind of funny that you were playing in the game, but also watching the game as well. I thought that was pretty cool with all the Olympians that went to BC. Yeah, that was funny. One day we came out to practice, and I was literally behind the net, and our goalie was like, yo, like, you're in the stands. And I was like, oh, my God. Everyone was laughing at me. It was kind of funny. But that was funny. Um, my favorite section, personally, was the um, the dogs, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I have four dogs myself. I love dogs. Um, so they were fun, uh, fun to look at, and everyone pointing out their dogs and their families. So it was cool. It was, it was a nice thing that BC did to kind of make the no-fan situation a little bit better. So you guys got to actually put your like real life dogs, like family dogs, like on the stands. I didn't know that. I thought they just picked out like random internet photos for it. No, no, those were real life dogs. I'm pretty sure. That's pretty cool, actually. So yours was in the stands as well? Mine wasn't, no, but other people's were. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. What was your favorite dog, I guess? Or was you're just a big dog person? You like them all? Just a big dog person. (laughs) I I didn't really have a favorite. I just, I love Love the doggos. They're adorable. Now, through and through overtime was introduced to college hockey last year. I got to ask you, uh, as a defenseman uh, or defender, what was it like being in those situations, having more open ice, um, but also kind of having more offensive opportunities as well? And what's your just overall thoughts on the three and three? Because I know some people are big fans of it, and I feel like some people aren't big fans of it. I think as a defender, I feel like you might be on the side of not a big fan of it just because it leads to a lot of offensive opportunities. I'm actually on the side of I love it. I think it's great. I think that, um, you know, it it causes for a lot more goals in overtime. Um, Yeah, like there are are times when it can be hard as a defender. You're kind of stuck in a D-zone shift. Three-on-three is all about possession. So, um, But it's also a lot of fun because then you get to go on offense and then, you know, there's a lot more chances. It's back and forth. It's exciting. Um, There's a lot of ice to work with. you know, it's a game of possession and then attacking when you have a chance. So I think it's great. Uh, you know, our BC team is actually quite um, good at, at three on three overtime. We went to it quite a bit last year and I'm pretty sure we won most of them. So um, I think it's a lot of fun and I think it's a great addition to the game. 
Then my other question about it was, I think one reason why your team was very successful at it was because you sustained a lot of pressure in the offensive zone, yet you managed to get a lot of line changes during that offensive pressure that you put on in the O zone. So my question is, like, how do you maintain that possession in the offensive zone while maintaining line changes? Because you kind of want to keep the defenders tired, but you want to get fresh legs and fresh bodies on the ice, which will help, um, I guess, get a more, more likely to get a goal opportunity because – one thing I heard was if you're physically tired, then you become mentally tired, and that's when mistakes start to happen. And that's kind of what you want to put on the defenders when you're going against them in three and three overtime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, sustaining offensive pressure is important and just kind of being smart with the puck, um, not trying to make any crazy, like one on one moves and, you know, while we're changing or, you know, maybe bringing the puck out of the zone and then letting um, your other players change, get fresh legs on the ice. It's all. Um, kind of strategy so I think it's like I said the rent three is all about possession and you know once they're tired that's your opportunity to attack usually a lane opens and and that's it and you hopefully you can capitalize on that situation so I think that um, the more you can possess and just make smart decisions with the puck to maintain possession the more success you'll have in uh, in scoring. Now in the regular season BC was consistently ranked one of the top teams in the country uh, what was the key for maintaining that success throughout the regular season? And uh, how did you deal with the pressure of being a ranked team? Um, just, uh, I think, pressure-wise, it was um, an interesting – sorry, my dogs just walked in the room. <laughs> um, I think um, just taking ga- a game, one game at a time, we knew every game was important, especially in a season where we weren't playing against a lot of different teams and pairwise and records and all that was kind of screwed up just because of the COVID season. So um, we took every game like it was the most important one of the year um, and we found a way to win. And that was the most important because finding a way to win doesn't really matter how you win doesn't matter who it's against as long as you do win. Um, That was important. So I think um, just attacking every game as if it was the most important one we were going to play was how we kind of maintained that success. And then, you know, the pressure of being in the top 10, um, it does actually hold a lot of pressure. You know, you're expected to win games. And and if you don't win games, then, you know, it's like, oh, top 10 team loses and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But kind of just blocking out the outside noise and just focusing on us and what's going on inside the locker room is, you know, kind of how you deal with that pressure and um, just moving through the challenges um, as they come. Now, obviously, this year the tournament's going to be expanded to 11 teams. What was your reaction to that? Because it seems like every, not just your team, but every college women's college hockey team is kind of advocating for that to happen. Absolutely. I think it's great. Um, I think we see every year that teams that maybe should be in the tournament are left out because of only the eight, eight team system. Um, and I think, you know, it'll make the, the uh, tournament more competitive. I think teams that, you know, are just on the bubble or right or should be there, um, you know, get a chance to play in and, and kind of be involved in that um, tournament, which I think will be great for the growth of, college hockey yeah and then the growth for women's hockey too because the more games that are played more money I think is being made and also more opportunity to put it on television too which I think I feel like for me personally help the biggest thing for the growth of women's game for the women's hockey game is kind of putting it more on tv because I feel like more people kind of like if they see it they kind of like want to watch it more and then they get invested into it but when it's not on tv it's kind of hard to do that so that 
I hope the expanded tournament helps of the television aspect of it as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the more that people can see it, the better it's going to be. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of our, our thing with uh, the growth of the game. You know, the more people that see it, the better it's going to be. So. Now in the hockey's playoffs um, last year, you unfortunately lost to UConn in the first round. Uh, what did you take away from that game overall, and how did you use it to motivate yourself heading into the national tournament? Just because it seemed like UConn kind of dominated that game and uh, really made it tough for you guys to get a lot of offense. Yeah, I think that was a really tough game for us. UConn definitely brought their best. Um, we had seen UConn like eight times that year, um, and. So I think it was really hard to play them in a game that, you know, kind of determined whether we'd move on or not, Um, just because we'd had a lot of success throughout the year against them. And then, you know, that one game comes and, you know, they're firing on all cylinders and we couldn't really seem to get anything going. And sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, It was definitely not an easy um, loss for us. Um, it was devastating because we didn't, you know, we thought we had a team that could go and compete in the national tournament, but, you know, it was kind of up to how other teams did and the higher powers and, and whatnot. So, um, it was definitely devastating when, when we lost that game, but we kind of regrouped, bounced back and, um, luckily got a chance to go to the national tournament, um, out of it. How are you, what do you guys do, I guess, during that time? We're kind of in the bubble. I'm not sure if you're going to make the tournament or not. It kind of determines like what results happen. Like, Do you watch those games or do you kind of just want to stay out of it and see what happens? No, I mean, I think we followed games. We kind of see what saw what was going on. Um, we practiced as normal. Um, we kind of still kept preparing just because we knew we were on the bubble. We knew that we had a chance. It would It would be a really close call, but – Pending what happened with a lot of different things in different leagues, I think, um, you know, we knew that we had a chance. So we kind of stuck to our game plan, um, kept working and just kind of, you know, hope that it would fall in our favor. And it, and it did. So that was really awesome. And what was your team's mindset, I guess, once you finally got the bid? And what was your mindset, I guess, once you had to, headed to Erie, I, I guess, for that national tournament? Yeah, I mean – there's a video of us on Twitter or something of us you know, hearing our name called for the bid and our team goes absolutely crazy. I think, you know, our, you know, Boston college is hungry for a national championship. Um, and so that was kind of our mindset going into, um, going into the tournament. We might not have been, you know, uh, a projected like winner of the national tournament, not a lot of bets on us, but, you know, we went in thinking that, you know, we had a good chance to win if we just took it one game at a time. Um, you know, we're kind of a, kind of an underrated team at that point. So, um, just going to the tournament full of confidence and just given everything we had every game. And you played Ohio state in that national tournament. Um, you unfortunately lost that game as well. I guess what emotions were you feeling after that loss, knowing that your season was ended, but also just because, um, I felt like you guys played better than the score indicated for that game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought we played really well. We were actually up leading going um into the second and and whatnot but Ohio State's a really good team they're very well coached um they are like a well-oiled machine so um they um brought everything they had and unfortunately our our performance wasn't um you know good enough to combat that but I think that it was a season of a lot of ups and downs and um, a lot of challenges and so in that moment it was just like after we lost, it was 
it was devastating, but um, to see how much we had accomplished that year, how much we'd grown, um, I knew that we would bounce back just fine. Um, losing some seniors was hard, but, um, you know, I think, you know, I knew we'd bounce back better and, you know, eventually we'll get back to that national tournament. Yeah, I would be nervous if I was a Hockey East team for next season just because that was the last game with Boston College, so you're probably going to be super motivated heading back to the team next year. Boyle's going to be on the team. you got some good freshmen who are going to step up. And I don't know, I'll be nervous if I were a Hockey East team seeing you guys next year. It won't be easy. Yeah, and I, I think we got some fifth years coming back. And, um, you know, I think we'll be really good next year. I think we'll have a lot, a lot going for us, so. Everyone watch out. Oh, BC's yeah. coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a warning a few months before the season starts, I guess. Yes, it'll be like five or six months before the season starts for next year. So, um, yeah, no, uh, warning right now to all the teams that are listening. So <laughs> I kind of want to talk about the beginning of your hockey career as well because you're from California. Um, talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? Because when you think of California, it's not like hockey pops into your head. It's really like baseball and football. Yeah, uh, born and raised Californian. Uh, I have four older brothers, so they played a lot of roller hockey growing up and kind of transitioned to ice um, eventually in their careers. So I kind of just followed that same path. I started as a figure skater and I was really young. I was about two when I first got in skates. And then a little bit after that, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do what my brothers do. And I just fell in love. I was never looking back after that. Um, I grew up uh, there, played boys hockey there, and then eventually when I was 14, I ended up moving away to go to a prep school. Um, but definitely a product of California hockey. I played on a lot of teams um, growing up there. So definitely not the place where you would think that I probably would have grown up um, just because of it's not a big, big sport out there, but it definitely is growing. Yeah, it seems like it's growing. Like, talk about the hockey culture that's in California, because specifically for women's hockey, I know Annie Pankowski is also, I think, from California as well. So just talk about how the what the culture is like there for hockey in California, but how it's growing as well, just because I think teams like Anaheim and L.A., the success that they've had, I think, have really helped grow the sport, at least in that part of California. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the Ducks and the Kings do a really good job trying to um, promote people getting to play. Um, they've done a great job over the years. Um, it's grown tremendously, even from when I was younger. Um, so many more kids are playing. And I think although the culture and the community in California may not be the biggest, like not everyone plays hockey, it's a very um, solid, like tight-knit group, I think, that um, cares a lot about the sport. And there's been a lot of prospects produced out of California both boys and girls that go on to play college hockey go on to play in the NHL you know Olympians whatnot um and so I think it's great like although it's not big they are producing a lot of really quality hockey players yeah I think Dominic Petrie is also from California as well another good college hockey player so it seems like just more and more players keep coming from that area absolutely and I think it'll you'll only see more coming from that area um as the years go on and it gets bigger. Who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Kings or Ducks or was it a female player on the national team? Uh, no, my favorite player was Scott Niedermeyer on the Ducks. Nice. Um, solid defenseman, talented, smooth puck, good skater. Um, ever since they won the cup in 2007, I was like eight maybe. I was like, no, that he is awesome. He was my favorite player. So um, I watched him growing up. 
apparently to, I've listened to like interviews with former teammates. Apparently that guy barely sweated. Like he was always just like never out of breath. Like that's how great of a shape he was in um, when he was playing with the Ducks. I don't, that doesn't even surprise me. He played a lot of minutes for them. He was one of their star, their star D. So. Yeah. My biggest, my favorite duck, I guess, growing up was Bobby Ryan. I love that guy. I think he also played for team USA in the Olympics in 2010. So really cool person. And then also Tame Solani. You gotta love that guy. He's an absolute legend. I don't know if you watch those players as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Team Solani definitely watched him. He is a legend. Um, actually got the chance to play with one of his kids, which was kind of cool. And then Bobby Ryan played roller hockey for my roller hockey coach and club. So kind of a small world. Um, definitely watched all of them. Um, love, and I just love to see, you know, California prospects do well and, and whatnot. So. Have you met Bobby Ryan in person before? I have not met Bobby Ryan in person, but I would like to someday. He has an incredible story. I heard that he was like like an alcohol addict and then eventually came back and like played in the NHL again, which I don't know if you heard about that story, but I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I heard a little bit about it, but definitely an incredible story. I think you see more and more players and professional athletes these days with, um, you know, stories that they are actually helping a lot of people in the world today. So I think it's it's good that when they come out and share it and are brave enough to do that, it's awesome. Now, is it crazy that Ryan Getzloff is still playing in the NHL? Because I'm pretty sure he was part of that team as well, and he's still pretty good today. Yeah, I think it's crazy. But, I mean, play for as long as you can. It's the best game in the world, so I don't blame him. Now, you played for the East Coast Wizards um, before Boston College. Talk about that experience, and how did you get the opportunity to play there? Yeah, I think it was great. There, um, That was the first like travel girls team that I played on consistently. Um, I ended up there because I went to a prep school in New Hampshire um, to play hockey. And so I went there and you play on like a split season team and then you get to go to nationals and play on the club team and stuff. So I think it was a really good experience for me. I got to play with some really good girls that went on to play in college and um, I got better there. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. Now, how did, you, how did that experience, I guess, help prepare you for college hockey with um, Boston College, just playing with the Wizards, and then that prep school you were talking about in New Hampshire? Yeah, the prep school was awesome just because it, you know, I got to play with girls that were very, like, very talented every day. Um, it prepared me in a schedule. I had practice every day. I had school every day. And, you know, I was, you know, at school. So I think it kind of prepared me for that lifestyle of going to class and then going to practice and then doing homework and doing it all over the next day, which is what it's like in college. And then the East Coast Wizards, I think, just playing with high-caliber players prepared me for college hockey. We all went to college at the same time. So I think um, playing with each other and making each other better every time we were together was really important for all of our college careers when we started. Was it hard to move out east um, just because you lived in California your whole life and then you have to kind of make that jump? And um, were you have, ever hesitant, I guess, to do it? Or was it kind of like always a goal of yours to kind of move out east and try to pursue a college hockey career, I guess? Um, it wasn't that hard for me. I mean, it was hard to leave my family, obviously, but it was something that I really wanted. Um, I knew if I wanted to be exposed to the girls game and get better. It's just something I needed to do. And, you know, New Hampton also allowed me to play, you know, other sports, um, which I also really wanted to do while also having 
like a normal high school career. I didn't want to be traveling every weekend and being up late doing homework and kind of not having no social life. Like when you get to college, it's, it becomes your job and your life. So I, in high school, I really wanted to enjoy my experience and play other sports and do that. So I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made and prepared me really well for where I'm at now. Now talk about your recruitment process to Boston College. What was that like for yourself? What made you want to go to BC versus other schools you might have looked at? Yeah, my recruitment process was um, quite long, I would say. I, I didn't, I started getting recruited pretty early on. This was before the uh, recruitment rules kind of changed. Um, and so I started getting recruited really early on. And for me, I didn't know what I wanted. Um, I was so young. I was like 14. And I was like, I don't even know what college is. <laughs> so I talked to a lot of different schools across a lot of different leagues. I visited a lot of different teams and a lot of different campuses. And I kind of just made a list and narrowed it down to kind of what I wanted. Um, and BC was that. Um, BC was exactly what I wanted. It's a great school um, academically, which is which was really important to me. It's a great hockey program. Um, the coaches are great. They've produced Olympians. Um, you know, I, it was just something that I was really looking for. It kind of checked off all the boxes. It's in a great city. I love Boston. Um, it's one of my favorite places. And campus is not too big, not too small. So I just think it um, it checked off everything that I wanted out of my college experience. And um, I ultimately fell in love with it when I went to campus. So really glad I made that choice. Now, there's a lot of probably fans from the other Boston schools that um, aren't the biggest fans of BC. And the reason why I kind of mentioned that is because one of the cool things about playing for Boston College is the bean pot. Talk about what it's like playing in that tournament because it's one of my favorite um, tournaments to watch in the college hockey season. Being from Boston myself, it's kind of like the best Monday and Tuesday of February once those games happen. What's it like being playing in those and uh, just kind of building that rivalry between you, BU, Northeastern, and Harvard? Yeah, I think it's one of the best tournaments in college hockey, the bean pot, um, you know, being the best in Boston. Um, it's a lot of pride in that, um, a lot of pride in those schools, playing for your school. I think it's just, um, you know, it's a great tournament, and you, you play some great teams in that tournament too. So um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I have yet to win a bean pot, hoping I can soon before my college career ends because um, I think – you know, that's one of the most fun things that we, we can win. Yeah, I know. One thing about this podcast that I like to say, I call it the college hockey talk bump. So maybe next year after being on the pod, I think that would help you elevate, I guess, like with the luck, I guess, with the puck bouncing the right way to hopefully win a bean pot next year. I hope so, because that is something I do want to do before I graduate. Is it going to be hosted in BU next year? Because I don't think it's ever been hosted, in, uh, I mean, at BC um, when you've played with this team. So, and I don't think it's, so I feel like it might be hosted at BC um, next year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Typically, um, it's, typically it's hosted at BC during Olympic years. So um, I originally was probably not going to get that opportunity to, because it was my original freshman year, it was hosted at BC. So oh, okay. I would just not going to be able to get that opportunity to play at home. But I think because of the COVID year and it got canceled, it pushes everything back a year. Mm -hmm. So I think next year we might be able to host um, at least the first round. Um, there's talk of the, you know, the final game being in the garden and be cool. play and stuff. So hopefully that's a thing that'd be great for the women's game. 
Yeah, no, um, just because I know it's going to be hosted at Northeastern this year. So, I don't know, I feel like it'll be cool. I like how they kind of switch the – I think that's the one cool thing about the women's, I guess, tournament for both the Hockey East and Beanpot is how it kind of rotates host. I think that's pretty cool in my opinion just because it's, I like having that neutral site so each, I guess, area in New England gets the chance to kind of go see the tournament if they want to. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, it's fun to play a bean pot on home ice. And if you win, you win on home ice. So that's, um, you know, you at least get that once in your career. So I think it's, it is also a special part of, of the women's, the women's bean pot. Now, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey? Was it kind of the speed or mental side of the game? Um, probably the speed of it, I think, was a big jump from high school to college. I also had a really unique kind of start to my year. I played five games and then got yanked and dropped out of school um, and went and played uh, with the national team and then came back and had my freshman year started over again. And I think that was a really challenging year, too, for me, because it's an adjustment. Um, You know, I went from high school to college to the national team back to college so I think it's a you know from college to the national team even from high school they're all different games everything brings something different so just adjusting and kind of finding your footing in in all those different places it was it was hard for me. Now I kind of want to talk a little bit about that Olympics uh, kind of steer away from the college hockey talk thing for a little bit but uh you played your first Olympics in South Korea. Just talk about that experience as a whole and what was it like being an Olympian and being a part of that, I guess, village and just the whole experience. Um, uh, just being an Olympian seems uh, pretty cool to, for me to watch, but I'm assuming being a part of it is pretty awesome. Yeah, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And, um, you know, I hope to do it over again and over again because it is one of the coolest things. You know, you're surrounded by the best athletes in the, in the world from every country. And so you get to meet so many cool people. You get to experience, you know, world records and people doing insane things. You know, I got to walk with Sean White at opening ceremonies. Like he's a five-time Olympian. He's the best at his sport. Like that was so cool. So I just think being surrounded by people that know what it's like to dedicate your life to something and then, you know, getting to the highest stage in the world and, um, being so proud to like represent your country is one of the, you know the greatest uh, opportunities that I've ever had. Did you get the chance to talk to Sean White? He seems like a cool dude, pretty laid back. Also from California, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, talked to him a little bit, not too much, but got to definitely talk to a lot of really cool people. You know, like Michaela Schifrin, uh, Chloe Kim, um, the the Shibsebs, the figure skaters, got to talk to them, saw them a lot. Um, so it was really cool. Like you, They are, you know, the best in their sport, and they're pretty famous people. So um, it was awesome to just kind of pick their brain and get to know them. Well, what, what was it like talking to Chloe Kim? Because she's arguably the best snowboarder in the world right now. She is awesome. She is such a cool human, loves to have fun and just joke around. Um, you know, if if I didn't know she was Chloe Kim, you know, you didn't – you wouldn't feel like she's, you know, she's so down to earth, so fun. So really happy I got to meet her. Wasn't she like 16 in the last Olympics? Like she was really young, if I'm not mistaken, or like 18 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she was, she was really young, um, pretty young, I believe. But it was funny. She got churros with some of my teammates and they bonded and, and whatnot. So that was funny. That's awesome.
Yeah. You finally, you did win a gold medal in 2018. We got to talk about that. What emotions, I guess, were you feeling after Lamaroon got that um, shootout winner? And um, I guess, like, I guess, I, I don't know. I feel like I would be lost for words uh, to win that gold medal because that's probably the highest, like, achievement you can have as a hockey player is to represent the U.S. and win a gold medal uh, for your country. Yeah, I mean, in that moment, it's just pure, like, excitement and pride and just so happy to be a part of that team. You know, we really um, fought for each other, did it for each other. Um, and there's a lot of people on that team that had lost in the Olympics previously. They had felt that heartbreak. So just to see them keep working and, you know, eventually get that gold was amazing. I love all of them. So just to see them reach that was great. And then, you know, to bring home a gold for the U.S., just immense pride. Super proud to be American. And you kind of look up in stands and you see your family and, you know, you couldn't have done it without any of them. You know, we all have great support systems and um, the team behind the team kind of is so important just to, so just to see that, just immense pride and excitement in that moment. Now, what was the coolest thing you got to do after winning the gold medal? Was it like a cool event you got to see or who was like the coolest person, I guess, you got to meet after the gold medal? Just because it seemed like you guys were kind of like on a tour after that medal, going to different shows and all that stuff. So I got to ask her, what was the coolest thing you got to do after that? Um, we were on Ellen right when we got back, which was pretty cool. Um, we had a lot of fun doing that. We were on Jimmy Fallon. Um, it's hard to choose just one, but those are experiences I would never have otherwise. So super cool. We, um, ended up winning an SB, which was great. Um, we got to go to the SBs, meet some ridiculous people there. Um, so a lot of cool experiences came out of winning that gold medal, which was something I'm thankful for. We had a lot of fun. No, there's a lot of you, like, um, I guess, sitting on that couch with Jimmy Fallon. Did he ask you particularly a question, or was it kind of just Hillary Knight and the rest of the captains kind of doing the talking for that? Yeah, mostly uh, them doing most of the talking, um, which I was okay with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mind just sitting there and, and observing. They did a great job, so and they're all so well-spoken and uh, deserve the attention. So um, they did great, but it was still a lot of fun. Who were some of the athletes you met at the ESPYs? I'm assuming like Manning was probably there. Um, trying to think who else could have been there. Yeah, um, they were there. A lot of Olympians were there. Um, you know, so it was it was cool. I don't recall. It seems like a lifetime ago, and I have a terrible memory, so I don't recall many like super specific conversations. But I know we got to meet a lot of really cool people. That's awesome. That's like one of the, I guess, like you win the gold medal, you get that achievement, but another, like, I guess, perk to it is getting to do all those stuff just because you work so hard to earn it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, um, what's it like, I guess, playing in the biggest women's hockey game um, when it comes to viewership? And do you feel any particular pressure when you play in that gold medal game? Obviously, because the stakes are high, but you realize like so many people are watching and U.S. and Canada, it's like the big, probably the best rivalry in international hockey. So what's it like, I guess, being part of that as well? It's great. I mean, I think, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. But for me, I kind of look at pre pressure as a privilege. You know, it's part of our game. It's This is what we're trying to do. This is what we want. Like, we want people to watch our game. We want our game to grow. Um, we want to get to a point where we can, you know, sustain a living and blah, 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 and all that stuff about, um, with women's hockey. So I think that, um, it's great. I, it, you know, it comes with a lot of pressure, but I think it's awesome. And I think any of us would say the same thing that we want people to watch and we want that viewership to be high and 
because women can do it. Women, the women's game is great. And the more people that continue to see it, we'll start to realize that too. Now, where do you keep the gold medal? Um, is it like framed somewhere? Like where, where do you keep that? <laughs> no, um, it's in a, a case. We got a case for it. Um, it's in a case in my parents' room somewhere just cause I'm not home that often. So they keep it in their room, but it's not framed or anything. It's actually pretty like tucked away. Uh, for a while there, I had no idea where it was in the house, which is kind of funny, but, and you know, on the way home from the Olympics, I kept it in a sock in my bag. <laughs> like, so, uh, a lot of people ask me that question, but I, it's not framed or, or anything. Um, the best part about it is you get to share it with people. So I love letting kids hold it and, and whatnot, see it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. To share it with the community you grew up in and kind of showing that off. Do you get to, do you keep any of your like world championship medals? Like or is it all just like in your parents, like room in like a box? Uh, my world championship medals are hanging on my wall. Um, I have kind of have like a hook thing and they're all hanging there with one of my USA jerseys. Um, I got framed. Um, they're hanging on my wall in my room. Yeah. Right now? Right now. Can yeah. Please. Yeah, of course. Awesome. This will be a good clip for the pod. Hold on. Yeah. So these are kind of, they're kind of hanging right there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then that's one of my jerseys and kind of cool, like USA. It's my little corner of hockey. Nice. Yeah. Which one of your medals is your favorite, I guess? Um, honestly, they all look the exact same. So. That's cool, though. Yeah. Better than, better than my second place uh, youth hockey medal that I got. So that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the gold ones are my favorite. I have one silver now, but all the gold ones are my favorite, but they all do look the same. So that is cool. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of want to ask you about some of the teammates you got to play with in those Olympics. One of them is obviously Hillary Knight. She's probably like the biggest, I guess, women's hockey icon. What's it like, I guess, playing with her and being her teammate and kind of seeing like the other side of Hillary Knight just because when the cameras aren't on her all the time. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously an amazing ambassador for the game and she has done so much for, for the women's game. Um, a great teammate, great hockey player, obviously, but behind the scenes, she is just an awesome human. She is so fun to be around. Um, she's like a big kid, um, believe it or not. So um, she brings a lot of life to our locker room, a lot of laughs. Um, she's a great leader. So I'm happy to get to know her and train with her and, um, kind of be led by her throughout this whole process. You also get to play with Amanda Kessel, who's another, I guess, U.S. Olympian, Olympic icon. What's it like being her teammate? And just, it seems to me how crazy she's been, she's been consistently just so good for each Olympic cycle. Like you haven't seen like any regression in her game, at least in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Um, she's an extremely talented hockey player, um, but also just another great person, full of life, uh, loves to laugh and have a good time. But, um, you know, she's very talented, knows a lot about the game, um, comes from kind of a hockey family. So, you know, with her brother's all right, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's great. Um, love having her on the team. Um, love getting to know her. Um, more and more so you also get to play with Brianna Decker I had her on the podcast uh, last year one of the most nervous interviews I've ever had just because she's such an, a legend uh, what's it like being her teammate because she's just so calm and just very well spoken as well she is she is very well spoken um, comes off really intense but 
again, like all of our teammates, they're just great humans, great leaders um, in our sport. Um, I've learned a lot from them and they're kind of pioneers in our sport too. So um, she is someone you can learn a lot from. Um, so I kind of like to watch her and kind of pick her brain and um, she has a lot of advice to give. So it's been great. Now, the last team I want to ask you about is Jessie Confer because she's been one of my favorite players on the team uh, for this year. Uh, what's it like being her teammate? Because you guys are obviously big rivals in college, but is it nice to kind of have her on your team and not go against her? Because like I said, she's been so much fun to watch. I think she's a very underrated player nationally. Absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, me and Jessie played U18s together. We've been friends since we were, you know, 15 years old and, um, it's funny because we're, we live together during this cycle. We live in an apartment together. We're very good friends. So, um, I love her to death. She is, um, like you said, very underrated, but she brings a lot to her team. That is super important. Um, it's definitely nice to have her on my team. Um, you know, it was hard playing against her, but we always had a lot of fun playing against each other at BC. Um, we would be talking on the ice and, you know, um, making jokes and stuff. And, uh, we were definitely civil on the ice, but I'm glad now um, she's on my team and kind of seeing the benefits of having her on my team is, is nice. Now, I got asked because, again, 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 in that game against Switzerland in the World Championships, uh, her and Alina Mueller kind of went at it. And it was kind of funny just because Northeastern BU, what was your whole thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, not surprised at all. Jesse's a feisty one. So is Alina. Um, but, you know, <laughs> not not a northeastern fan you know he's you, not a northeastern fan no one's really a northeastern fan sorry northeastern <laughs> got some friends on northeastern but you know i just think like you know the rivalry stands true between all the schools you know i me and jesse have gone at it and we still love each other but you know we've gone at it i've gone at it with alina um a lot of different players so i think whether on the world stage or in college the rivalry stands true so um it's fun all fun you know we respect each other off the ice but on the ice you know it's all yeah. fair game i know kendall coin will totally disagree with your answer about uh, northeastern i think that's the one player from your team that would disagree with it yeah um i think she would too but we have fun talking about it and when they play each other it's you know we put bets on the game and and whatnot so we have fun with it yeah, and Alina's super, like, like I met her a few times, and, like, she's so calm, and but when you see her on the ice, she's so, like, I guess feisty is the word to use. Um, just a great player and a great person as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know her too well, but I have met her a couple times, and she she's a good person, great hockey player, um, great for the college game, and obviously she's very successful um, on Team Switzerland. So, um, honestly, it's, it's really nice to be able to play against her. And... Um, so, um, yeah, so just be able to play against her. She's a great hockey player. Um, yeah. So we're now in a segment before we kind of end off this interview, I like to call it the non-hockey segment where I ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so first non-hockey question is what music uh, do you like to listen to? I really love country music. Um, and yeah, country music's probably my favorite. I listen to it all the time. Um, I'm not really into like rap or some, some I am like EDM and stuff like that, but I like country music and um, that's probably what I listen to the most before games and consistently. Who's like your go-to artist? Ah, 
I love Luke Combs, love Morgan Wallen, love uh, Thomas Rhett, those type of people. I'm a big Thomas Rhett fan. What's Your Country Song is an absolute banger. I think it was on like one of my like most listened to songs on, uh, on Spotify for my Spotify wrapped. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. That's a good one. I'm not the biggest country fan, but like I worked for a baseball team this past summer and a lot of the guys are from like Florida and like California. And that's like areas where country music is like listened to a lot more than here up in the Northeast. So it's kind of cool to get that exposure to that music. And it's really good. I think people hate on it too much sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, everyone's going to have their opinions, but whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I think in baseball, country music is a big a big thing that's played often so yeah yeah no i noticed that just working with the team a lot of edm and like rap and then like baseball it's a lot of country so it's kind of that was that's something i noticed as well yeah now who's the funniest teammate you have at bc funniest teammate i have probably like kelly brown or you know abby volo um they're hilarious. Uh, we love to laugh at BC. We have a couple pretty big jokesters on the team. So, but Kelly Brown, Abby Volo, they're hilarious. They bring a lot of energy, a lot of laughs to the locker room. So, definitely miss them this year. Who has the best style on the team besides yourself, obviously? So, who's number two on the style list uh, for BC women's hockey? As in, like hockey style, or uh, both on, on and off the ice. Hmm. On ice, Hannah Bilka has great style great she's just a phenomenal hockey player and looks good doing it um and then off ice olivia finicaro a little fashionista she always has fire game day outfits so um she is definitely one that um is is good with the uh with the style off ice have you seen the photo of willow and um katie pine and abby newhook like walk to the game that looks like a movie poster it does. Yeah, they, they look good. They looked really good. And they looked like famous people in that photo. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what is this? But um, no, they looked good. They, they rocked they rocked the game day outfit. So. Yeah, shout out to the BC social media because I feel like you guys do a good job at kind of showing all that stuff out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our social media person is one of the best in the league. I would have to say she makes great videos, uh, posts great content. So shout out to Katie Pev, uh, we love you. She is uh, the best, best of the best. Now, what's your favorite part about Boston? I just, I think there's so many things to do in Boston, so many different, like, you can never get bored in Boston. Like, we have so much fun in Boston just because there's so many different things to do, and I think that's one of my favorite things is just, it's a great city, there's a lot of life, um, but it's also a lot of fun. You never get bored, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big sports fan, and probably the best place to live if you're a big sports fan is Boston. There's a lot of games to see, both collegiately and professionally as well. Yeah, agreed. We go to a lot of sporting events um, at BC, both BC and professional, so Mm -hmm. it's fun. Now, back to some hockey questions now. I want to ask you this. What what do you think should be done to help grow women's hockey? I feel like there's been a lot of conversation about that uh, recently. I just want to get your input of what you think should be done to help grow the game, because you've played in both college um, with the Olympic team, you've kind of been all around the place. So I feel like you would have a good perspective on what needs to be done to help grow the game. Yeah, I think, you know, the marketing around women's games, um, getting people to want to come to our games in person, um, selling out kind of bigger crowds would be um, 
really good. And I think the next big step is kind of forming a league for all the players, one league that is a place where, you know, it's, you know, real professional women's hockey. Um, I think that's the next big step that kind of needs to happen in the growth of the women's game. Yeah, I think it's interesting because obviously the U.S. national team sells out, but like what's I think the next step is kind of getting other teams to sell out besides just the U.S. national team, like college teams and obviously professional teams as well. Like what steps, I guess, are being done to help make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a slow process. I think it kind of has to start from, you know, the top down. You know, it starts from our team and Team Canada and whatnot kind of getting that viewership and eventually it'll kind of trickle down into, you know, the professional leagues and then college and whatnot. So it's definitely a slow process, but I think it's, it's definitely grown even since I've been in college. Um, it's grown and it's growing every year. So I think that's the important thing to look at, um, you know, moving forward. Now I assume there's a lot of younger people listening to this podcast. So what advice would you give them on how to get, I guess, how to become a better player, but also what it takes to become a D1 college hockey athlete. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely work ethic is important. And just like being a good teammate, um, coaches do check in on that stuff, being a good teammate, um, caring about your team, whatever. And then just having, having fun while you're doing it. If you're not having fun, then what's even the point? Um, you know, college hockey is a lot of hard work. And I think that a lot of people forget that. So if you're not having fun doing it, you're going to be miserable. Um, so I think just having fun, enjoying uh, where you're at. Don't try to, you know, everyone's path is different to college hockey. So um, kind of enjoy your process and know that everything will work out the way it's supposed to eventually. Now, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give uh, to any of your family members, uh, teammates, future teammates? Um, anyone in particular I'd like to shout out, I guess, for myself, Michaela Boyle, for suggesting you to come on because this has been a fun interview for me so um, any shout outs that you like to give I guess yeah I mean shout out Michaela love you to death you're my sister uh thanks for recommending me for this podcast and then uh probably uh just BC uh I miss you guys I love you guys so much I can't wait to be back and BC seniors um hope you guys are having you know an amazing year I watch you guys all the time miss you guys every day so I uh, can't wait to be back and, uh, you know, go Eags. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it so much. I also want to let you know that you're one of my favorite uh, women's hockey players. Um, it's so much fun watching you play, and it's a huge honor that you came on the podcast today. It really means a lot to myself. Um, good luck um, in the Olympics, I guess, coming up and that whole process. Um, it's been – I just for as a U.S. hockey fan, just thank you so much for – representing this country so well and uh, thank you so much for what you've done for women's hockey as well and good luck um, in the olympics like i said and go team usa thank you so much this has been so fun and i appreciate the support and everyone go watch our team on it you know on nhl network and during the olympics it, you won't disappoint yeah i'm usually not a biased person but i will be totally biased for team usa just because i'm from here so that's the that's the <laughs> only team i root for internationally Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate the support. I just want to say thank you again to Kayla for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it, and it means so much to myself. Um, I told Kayla this before we started recording, but I made a list 
of five men's players I want to interview for College Hockey Talk and five women's players I want to interview for College Hockey Talk. And I made this list like before the first episode was recorded and Kayla was on the list of the five women's players I've wanted to interview. So it was really a huge honor for me getting the chance to interview Kayla uh, for this podcast. So I can't thank her enough uh, for coming on. It really means a lot. And I can't wait to watch Team USA um, in the Olympics. That's going to be super fun. And I can't wait to root for the girls. And I hope they bring home the gold medal again. Um, But thank you everyone who listened to this podcast. I truly appreciate it. It means a lot to myself. Um, Take care, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Bye. Oh, oh, oh. You wanna fall in love? You get-